Good morning, Cashers. Cashers Canine Connection. Good morning. Good morning, Donna. How are you today? Doing well. Ready to conquer the day. All right. And good morning, Cashers. I'm Donna Ampava, and this is Alyssa Short here with us. We're from Mountain Dog Spa in Cashers, North Carolina. Tuesday, April 7th, recording this podcast. We like to just touch on kind of what's going on in the world real quick. One day we're going to look back on this in history and, and remember these crazy times we're going through with the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, everything is pretty much locked down, shut down right now. America's kind of closed. Well, definitely for the first time that we can remember. It's touched everybody. Definitely it's touched our business. Uh, We are a dog boarding, daycare, and grooming service, so we are considered essential and are remaining open through this because we provide care and shelter for animals. We want to just continue helping and keeping our routine as structured (laughs) and regular as we can because I think that makes humans and dogs happy alike. Our mission here... The Cashers Canine Connection is to connect the Cashers dog community with each other, help people who are somewhat struggling uh, with their dogs, help them understand dog behavior and dog to human relationships better to make that uh, relationship as good as it can be and get that dog into uh, its uh, best state of mind that he can possibly be. So we're here to answer questions and set out a series of where you should be starting with your dog to get the the finished product that we're all looking for, which is a well-behaved dog. This episode is really exciting because it builds on the previous episodes on the four foundations. The last episode was about crate training. Alyssa gives us so many insider dog training tips. When it comes to the crate training, I really suggest listening to that one. As we go over these four foundations, it's really just about doing all of them at the same time. These are the tools and tricks to get you started. If you want an overview of the four foundations, then that was episode three. The overview, yes. And this episode is about feeding protocol. Just to start, let's talk about the idea of protocol. What does it mean to use a protocol and a feeding protocol specifically? What does protocol do for our dogs? We have a protocol for every thing we do. We talked about in our episode prior to this one, crate training. There's a certain protocol to remove the dog from a crate and to put the dog in a crate. It looks the same every time. The dog knows what to expect every time and doesn't get confused. So basically that's what it is, just keeping it the same. And I think the result of the protocol is that their behavior becomes more predictable because they can predict their life. They know what's expected and then we can expect them to act a certain way. So feeding protocol, what what is the feeding protocol? Just like a description of what does that technique look like that you tell your training clients? So it should be done, you know, at the same time every day if possible to, you know, keep it around the same time. And we're going to keep calm. Many dogs can get really excited for feeding time. Some don't, but many can get pretty amped up. So I will tell everybody to not ask their dog questions. You know, do you want to eat? It's time for supper. Like that gets to be a routine with a lot of people. They like to kind of amp the dog up for dinner time because the dog loves to eat many times. And I think it makes the owner feel good to provide that love of food. Totally understandable. 
but when you amp a dog up, you can set them up for failure again. Uh, it's hard to control a dog in that state of mind. Uh, we don't ask any questions or, or start talking to the dog. Everything's done matter of fact, like we do with the rest of our protocols. Go get the food, whatever it, it is, put it in the bowl, and then you would put the bowl down on the floor. And if the dog goes to eat it without your release, then you would pick it back up. Everything we do, like we talked about with the crate in the last episode, is permission-based. And when you make life permission-based for a dog, every aspect that you could possibly think of making it permission-based, eventually over time, when you're doing this over and over and over again, the dog's going to start to look to you for all the decisions it's going to make without making impulsive decisions on its own. Then you get a dog who's listening, who's accountable, and who's paying attention. And that's exactly what a well-behaved dog is. So uh, we would put the food on the floor. The dog's usual natural impulse would be to dive in and we're going to pull it back up. So this is the training stage of the protocol. This is not exactly how feeding is going to look every time. It's pretty quick. The dog will figure out how to win this food, basically. We pull it up if he goes for it. Then we put it back down. If he goes for it, we pull it up. We're, we're going to only let him get it when he's in a calm state and when we give him permission to dig in. But after maybe, I mean, some dogs figure it out super fast in two to three to five times of you putting the bowl down and removing it when they go for it themselves but some dogs are, especially the ones that are really food obsessed and excited, it might take 20, 30 times of you just being really patient. You don't even have to speak through any of this. You don't have to say no. You more than likely won't even have to use a leash. Sometimes for the really, really, really obsessed guys, you may have to even have a a buddy help with some leash pressure, kind of pulling the dog back from the food. But normally just you having quick reactions and be able to pull the bowl up real quick, the dog realizes, like starts figuring out, oh my gosh, how am I going to get this food? And they'll start processing it. You'll see their brain starting to work and they'll start like waiting and kind of looking around and kind of some of them will avoid the food. And then eventually the dog will look you dead in the eye. And that's when you say break and give the dog the food. It's really cool because it makes you super relevant and it makes the dog pay attention to you in a moment when for a food obsessed dog, especially their their drive is so high and their natural impulses are so strong and telling them like eat, 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 eat. But instead they focus on you. That's like the ultimate leadership value training protocol that you could do when the dog chooses you over food. I can see how this would be a little bit confusing for people who have maybe never seen someone do this before, but the technique mm -hmm. is you, you start to lower the food and then you raise the food back up quickly if you see the dog make a motion to, to try and get their head in the bowl, which some dogs will do really like as soon as that food bowl, it, before it even hits the ground, they're already trying to, to eat it. For some of these dogs, it looks like, okay, well, you can put it lower and lower each time. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you can put the food on the ground. Yes, very good point. It looks different for different dogs. And that some dogs have absolutely no food motivation and won't even dig in after you leave it and tell them to break. We use the word food drive. What is that? Food drive is the intensity which the dog is excited about eating, excited about food, willing to work for food. 
the the dogs with the higher food drive are the easier ones to teach commands to naturally because they're very excited to work for food they'll do anything for food and it's easy to you know say sit and give them a reward a kibble and they love doing it because they know they're going to get paid their most favorite thing in the world food they have high food drive Uh, on the other hand a dog that could care less about food uh, can be a little grumbly going through training where you're having to kind of pull them along more and (laughs) offer more leash pressure because they're like, uh, whatever, you know, I'm not into this. There's no real reward here. The food-driven dogs are, are really fun. They're, they're usually higher energy, a little bouncy, and, and just they're ready to go. <laughs> ready to work. And on the same line of thinking of these dogs that maybe don't have the food drive, if you put the food on the ground, they wouldn't dive right in. There's a lot of people out there who are able to free feed their dogs who may be confused how should they approach the feeding protocol. Because for listeners who don't know, to free feed your dog means that your dog's food drive is lower and you're able to leave a bowl of food down on the floor basically all day and then the dog will come and snack on the food whenever it wants to. So if you had a client whose dog was free feeding, what would you tell them about feeding protocol? So if I, if I had a client come to me, that client would be coming to me because they had some kind of behavioral issue or struggle going on with their dog. That's why people seek our training services. I would ask them a number of questions, one of them being, how do you feed your dog? If they told me free feed, I would tell them not to do that and to offer food twice a day, morning and evening, if the dog is a an adult. A puppy can go three times, but uh, most adult dogs just need two. Some adult dogs just need one time a day. The reason behind the taking away the free feed is because, like I said, we're dealing with a dog with behavioral issues. So we need to get everything very structured. We need to get a good routine in place. Free feeding, it's kind of like you're an open 24-hour diner. There's no real rules there or boundaries. It's just like, come when you want. It's always here here for you, always available. It it could be a pushy or bratty dog if you're having behavior issues, a dog that's not listening. There's many different behavior problems that you could be having. So instead of leaving it where the dog always has access to it, now we're going to offer it. The dog needs us to eat now instead of just always having it available. We're going to put it down for these free feeding dogs that normally have it all day, put it down in the morning, and they're probably not going to touch it because they're not, that's not what they're used to. So after five, 10 minute stops, you remove it and then you can offer that plus the dinner portion at dinner time. Probably they're going to be hungry enough to eat then, but if they might not because those guys might be really set in their ways, but that's fine. You just pull it up after five to 10 minutes. That's where it can pull on our heartstrings a bit because food is a a way to love our dogs. And that's that one thing that we can provide that, you know, the dog enjoys and we can spend a lot of money on really high quality food and treats and wet food to mix in it. I think it makes us feel good as caregivers. That's part of the feeding protocol is to take it away the next morning when you offer it. More than likely, the dog's going to be ready to eat, but maybe not. Be prepared for it not to be again, and then you're going to offer it again at night. And and this just gives us the opportunity to be the the provider, the handler, the leader that gives the food, that gives the permission to the dog to eat instead of a dog that makes his own rules throughout the day and decides when he's going to eat. And that way, too, they'll they'll relate you more with mealtime. The relationship 
will become stronger because at the meal times, when they actually are hungry, then they'll associate it with you every time. I can see how that would be really beneficial. There's another side of the spectrum. We talked about the dogs who are just really high food drive. They maybe have a higher energy level to go along with it. But there's some dogs who are just completely food obsessed. How difficult would this be for a client whose dog is, I mean, you know, maybe the motion is difficult for them to do. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a reason that they, that they're having trouble lifting the bowl up really high. And the dog is so food obsessed that it's diving right in. It seems like they're not getting it. Maybe the food even spills everywhere. Like maybe there's unsuccessful trials in the beginning. What would you say to somebody whose dog is just totally, totally food obsessed. So th- this can certainly be challenging, but it's it's a lot of fun too, because with these guys, when they're so food obsessed like that, like knocking the bowl over and stuff, they really don't like even care about you at all. Like you're so irrelevant. All they're trying to do is get to that food. So when you finally get that kind of dog to like focus on you first, it's really cool. And relationship building, like we were talking about, because now that you're relevant, you're, you're there in his most exciting time, the thing he cares about most food you're better than that in that moment he focuses on you and it really it's really cool what it does for the relationship and it can like you said I'm, I'm glad you brought up those challenges because some of those guys that are really when I say aggressive I don't mean like trying to bite you but aggressive about getting the food like knocking you over knocking the bowl out of your hand that can happen if you're really struggling with it I would um, suggest having a buddy a partner holding the dog back on a leash at first get some control over him to teach him what's going on get some of that arousal down you could do it on your own too by holding the leash in one hand depending on how big and strong the dog is if they're really going for that food a buddy might be the best call you're gonna have to use a lot of leash pressure at first when you're teaching them they're not sure what's going on yet and then you gradually take away the leash pressure until there is none just keep putting that bowl down when that dog goes for it the person with the leash is gonna pull him back a little bit tell that person and they put less and less pressure on the leash until there's none. The leash is just to help you in the beginning to get past that. The aggressive, like, gotta get this food, period. You can always also try a crate, you know, put them in a crate and make them relax. Food aggression has, there's an ugly side of food aggression too. A lot of dogs are food obsessed and they'll dive into the bowl and they'll knock it down everywhere, but maybe they're not necessarily guarding the food from somebody. Food aggression can be dangerous, right? So how would you recognize food aggression in a dog while you're doing the protocol? And what would you tell somebody who, whose dog is being food aggressive? Uh, Food aggression is a very serious issue that many times needs to be treated by a professional because it's dangerous. You can get bitten over food. Aggression would look like baring teeth, getting stiff, you know, head forward, ready to attack because you're near his food. That's a totally different thing than a dog with high food drive that's excited and trying to get to the food as quickly as he can. Food aggression is real dangerous stuff that you need to be really careful with. If you have a food aggressive dog and you know your dog is food aggressive, this dog needs to be corrected for the aggression before we move much further on this feeding protocol. I wouldn't want you taking a bowl of food away that a food aggressive dog has already put his nose in. Yeah, because that's when you get bit. 
this protocol actually helps for food aggression to not develop because it's creating respect for the handler. After we give permission, we're never going to like stick our hand back in there and take the food away. That's not fair. It's like I gave you permission. Now you can eat it. We're not going to mess with a dog's food after we give it permission to eat it. This protocol will will teach a dog to not develop food aggression. Now, if you already have a, a food aggression developed, there's a whole other protocol to correct that food aggression and then start on this protocol where we can get him back into the state of mind where he should be. I was trying to think about food problems that are common. Would this food protocol technique help for a dog that's begging for people food, maybe coming over like whenever it's dinner time and just begging for food all the time? Oh, no, I I would, um, I I guess it could help. It might help just because the dog is listening to you more because you're doing more of these protocols that we talked about, like crate training and, and all these foundations. It will start developing more respect for you and start looking to you as a leader. Um, as for begging from the table, that would be something where I would just send the dog under command in another, like five feet away, put him on you know, on his placemat and make sure that he stays there. If he doesn't know place yet, the crate's a wonderful, that'd be perfect for a begging dog to crate your dog while you eat and enforce him to be quiet and calm in the crate. Would it be okay, like with the feeding protocol for one of your training clients, would it be okay for them to give table scraps to their dog? Definitely not. And I say that because they're my training clients in the moment because they're looking for a a result. They're looking for a dog who's well behaved. When you come to me for training, we're we're gonna go into a, a structured lifestyle with lots of rules and boundaries. That's how you get the dog into the state of mind that we need him in, which is a good state of mind, a well behaved dog. The rules and the boundaries would include no people food, no over affection, no couch, no bed, like things like that. Like we're really stripping it down to the bare minimum to get this dog to be in a really calm state of mind, a dog that's listening, a a dog that doesn't think he's on the human's level, but the human is the leader and the dog is the follower. So offering your own food to the dog would be kind of like he's on your level and also affection. It's It's another form of affection, like giving treats. I'd rather the dog work for food and the kibble is plenty enough for him to be working for his own kibble. We don't need to be giving him our food. The reward that you use for your training clients throughout the day, you suggest that they just use the kibble from a meal. Yeah. How would that work with feeding protocol? Would they would they skip one of the meals and use it as treats instead? Well, a lot of time we'll have kibble left over at the end of the day. Like if the dog's in actual training where you're given kibble to teach commands, we'll be using their kibble. And then a lot of times we'll have some left over at the end of the day, but sometimes we don't and they're just working for food all day. And I think it's important to mention that the goals are different. What we're talking about here is the four foundations. And what you're talking about using kibble for is teaching commands like sit, come here, things like that. You wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily need to be using the kibble as training treats in this stage. But when you were ready to build commands on top of it, then the treats that you suggest using are just the regular meal, the kibble. Yes. And this is a really cool part of the foundation process, the feeding protocol, because it's actually quick. It's not something that you need to work on for days or weeks. It's like the dog figures out how to get this food, how to win this food. And by the second feeding, usually they've mastered it. What about 
unused food like so the dog maybe has a lower food drive or for whatever reason they don't finish their food would you suggest throwing away that food and offering fresh food at the next meal time or I think you mentioned that it would be offered again at the next meal would they get hungry throughout the day would that be a problem until dinner time especially if it's dry kibble that's easy to save or put back in the bag for next time this will I'll probably get off subject a little bit because a lot of times people will mix in mixers like wet food or pieces of chicken or or stuff like that to entice the dog to eat not necessarily for nutritional needs but just because the dog doesn't eat when they put their food down so they mix this stuff in to try to get the dog to eat but that's the cool thing about this protocol is that dry kibbles enough for a dog if you we can get into a whole nother podcast here because in my opinion i'm not a nutritionist and i don't know a whole lot about dog nutrition but just from what i do know and studied i think raw the raw diet is the way to go like if you really want to give your dog the best thing it could be eating i i think raw is the way to go on the other hand raw takes a a level of preparation and time. It could cost more money too, depending on what kind of dry kibble you're buying because some of the dry kibbles are really expensive these days too. When you do feed raw, when you put that food down, the dog eats it. Like it's not leaving leftovers or saying, "Eh, I'll have that later. No, it eats it. Like that's real food to dogs. I've noticed with kibble, Usually they, when you get a new bag of dry kibble, they're like, yeah, for a few days eating it every time you put it down. And then after a few days, they're like, okay, next. But then as humans, we get like, oh, he, he doesn't like it anymore. We need to mix something in. And, and that's where we kind of have the dog. Now we're like the dog's servant. We're the dog's waiter. It's like, what else can I get you, sir? Kind of as humans, we're thinking that like, oh, look at him. He doesn't like his food. And we're looking for peanut butter and all this stuff to mix into like, here, honey, eat, eat, eat. But But really, we just need to like take it away and give it back later. (laughs) And him being, as far as you said, being hungry throughout the day. Yeah, he might get hungry throughout the day, but that's good because when you offer it later, he's going to eat. And it's the same thing with kids. My kids don't eat and I feel bad like, oh, God, they're going to be hungry. And how are they going to get through the day? And they're going to get grumpy later. And and you want to like offer this, this and this. And they'll eat all the junk that you give them. But they're not eating this nice chicken and broccoli meal that you spent an hour preparing. If you just say, "Okay, well, I'm putting it away. They survive till the next day. They wake up hungry, ready to eat breakfast that you did the good thing for them because you made them eat the good food they didn't eat it and then you offered it again in the morning they ate it instead of giving like okay you want a piece of candy oh you want a ice pop you know you want something that you want they'll eat that stuff and that's what we're kind of doing with our dogs and the kids and the dogs figure out fast like well if I don't eat this she's gonna give me something else So they'll hold out and they'll wait. That's why we take it away and offer it again later. We were having a conversation before we started this podcast about that sometimes the feeding protocol is difficult for people because they want to serve their dog in a way. Like they want to serve the food to their dog and they do want to give them love in that way. And it can be really difficult. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier for people when they do have a high food drive dog because they feel good about they gave him food. He liked it. A lot of the smaller dogs in particular can be get really picky really fast. 
Yeah, there's a dog who comes in to board and we have to hold the bowl for him and feed him the wet food, the chunks of his wet food by hand in order for him to eat. And he will not eat if you do not. And your hands get nasty because you're feeding him pieces of wet food that's covered in gravy. If you do not do that, though, he will not eat. Yeah, and he's on the, the plumper side. So. And, he's, and he is big. Yeah. Well, he eats the in the bowl is a lot of food. Yeah, he'd be the perfect dog to do the protocol with. (laughs) There's a a number of dogs who come in. We serve them their food out of the concern that if they're there for four, five, six days, they really won't touch the food. That can kind of be an indication of how life might be going at home a little bit, like where they're trying to spoil him with food or make him eat or whatever, where he really doesn't. That would be a perfect dog to put the bowl down with his dry kibble in. He doesn't eat it and offer it later. And maybe he didn't eat it again, but it's a perfect dog to teach how to how to eat properly. And I think that if dogs were taught how to eat properly, like with this protocol, I really feel like they would do better in situations like a kennel or a vet's office where they were having to stay for a few nights because they would understand that the food was going to be offered and taken away so they would have an opportunity to eat it. But on the other hand, I think it's good to mention here too that a lot of times out of their normal routine and normal environment, dogs can behave differently and may choose not to eat. And that's a common thing we see in the boarding business is that um, a dog may not eat for a few days when he comes in because he's just out of his routine and structure. But once you start giving them that structure and giving them that exercise, working up that food drive, usually by the third or fourth day, they're going to eat instinctively because they have to and they will. The feeding protocol is one thing that we are happy to reinforce at Mountain Dog Spot. A ton of dogs who come in who they want us to to give the dog permission to eat. And that's wonderful. We love to do that. When I think about how people would perceive this, on the internet, we see a lot of these dogs, maybe on TV, we've seen it too, where they're, where they're waiting for the okay to eat or they have a biscuit balanced on their nose and they're mm-hmm. waiting for the okay to eat a treat or um, there's, you know, there's a bunch of food and they're supposed to wait to eat it. And it looks like a really difficult trick. Sometimes people will show this video as if, oh, look how amazing it is that this dog is waiting for permission. And then you say, okay, and that's when it eats. Would you say that this is something that more dogs can get than we would realize? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is one of those things that you can start with right now after you after you listen to this podcast, the next feeding. And it's like, you can get it really fast. It is a fun one to do. I would love to see videos of people who are who are doing the feeding protocol with their dog. If your dog waits for the okay, or if you have just listened to this podcast and you're experimenting with it for the first time, if you catch a good video, we would love to see it. You can send it to us on Facebook. You can email it to us. Our email's on our website. Um, yeah, find us on Facebook, Mountain Dog Spa. I would love to be seeing some videos like that. We can post it. For, to encourage other people too, because it does look, I mean, it looks amazing. And really this is something that, that a lot of dogs can achieve. It, it would be great to see some different dogs doing this. Sure. And send us your failures too. Even if it doesn't work out the first 
two, three, four times, just send it. It's, it's, that's good for people to learn from and see too, like, oh yeah, it's not, it sounds easy, but it wasn't easy with my dog. Like, yeah, cause that, that happens. You get that one dog who's, who's really difficult. We want to see that too. And, and we can help you, you know, walk you through that. These are the four foundations. This was the second in our four foundation series going into each of the four foundations. Yeah. And Donna, tell them about our, um, sidewalk initiative in mountain dog spa the lobby wall is covered in dog photos but there's still a lot of space on the wall so in order to participate in the sidewalk initiative you will purchase a spot on the wall for 24 dollars, and half of that price goes to the print of your dog's photo that we'll put up on the wall and then the other half is a donation to our sidewalk initiative and people are really excited about the sidewalk initiative in cashers the hope is to connect so we can have a beautiful walk through our gorgeous mountain town. Right now, I just drove to the post office yesterday and United Community was just pouring concrete for their sidewalk, which is a nice big corner stretch where people walk right next to traffic. So that's going to be really cool for that area. And maybe other businesses will follow suit and we can get this thing going. And then we also have a giveaway that we're doing with the t-shirts. We have Cashers Our Roots Run Deep t-shirts with the Mountain Dog Spa logo on the front. We're giving these t-shirts away for free. All you got to do to let us know that you've subscribed to our channel is comment your dog's name on one of the videos that we've made. Come on in and claim your free t-shirt. We can't wait to give these out. Good morning, Cashers. Cashers Canine Connection.